Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snudd, and this week we are reviewing the longest anticipated book <laughs> on the Booked podcast. I think I could say that fairly, because we talked about most anticipated last episode. Yeah. And we were like, oh, The Last Projector, this, this is the longest anticipated book. This goes back five years this month, maybe? Um... Because it would have been during during like the warmed and bound sessions that yeah. this came up, and that was in July, yeah. right? So I, I think it's been five years we've been waiting for this book. Yeah, just about yeah, just about five years. I'd say over four and a half for sure. Yeah. So um, the Soul Standard, um, which we will probably refer to as Four Corners a lot, because that's how we thought about it for four of those four and a half years or so. Um, <laughs> were we excited oh. to crack it open? Be honest. I was almost like, it's about fucking time. <laughs> like, if you want to put it in perspective, and I think I said this in another episode, we went to L.A. in 2012 in July. So that's almost, what, four years ago. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, to celebrate the completion of the book. It was kind of like a, it was supposed to be kind of a launch party mm-hmm. for this book. That did not get published for another four, <laughs> four years after that. Did we that. ever even vaguely talk about what that wound up being? What what we wound up doing while we were out there? I don't know no. if we've ever actually... Okay, we're probably not going to now either. Mm, I mean, we can say what we did, but I mean... Yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll save it for the next episode. Huh. Yeah, we'll give people some reason to come back, I guess, other other than our sultry voices. Yeah, and and the and the, the fact that I realized... I need to turn off my air conditioner when we're recording so that you can't hear it for 50 minutes in the background. No, we're so going to come back Rob, for that. We're going to hear Rob sweating. <laughs> it's actually nice and cool in my apartment. Look at why was your air conditioner on then? Never mind. <laughs> the Riveting podcast. Also known as Four Corners. Um, Rob, uh, can I can I do the, the all four of the author bios? Now these are these have been edited by me. Um, yeah, there's nothing I would want more in the world because I have no idea what's about to happen. So it's probably going to be good. <laughs> For reasons that may quickly become apparent, here is the synopsis. Richard Thomas appeared in the book Anthology. Nick Corpin appeared in the book Anthology. Axel Tayari appeared in the book Anthology. <laughs> Caleb Ross appeared in the book Anthology. There's your synopsis, or there's your uh, author bios for uh, all four authors Richard Thomas, Nick Corpin, Axel Tayari, and Caleb Ross. So you know. Now, now that I think of it, maybe if we pulled together their four stories from uh, the book's anthology, that'd be like the prequel to to this because it came out earlier. Would that yeah, work that, that way? Would be, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know how well that would work out. As I'm looking, as, not, I'm, yeah. as I'm thinking about the stories, <laughs> no, I don't think it would make a whole lot of sense at all. <laughs> yeah, there's ghosts and like AI, and yeah, I don't know if it would work out, but so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll let the listeners decide after we're done um, with this review of the Soul Standard. Top notch author bioing right there. If uh, my services are available, if you need uh, your Amazon bio <laughs> needs a little updating, I know at least, <laughs> I don't know, 20 plus of you that can reach out and I could do the same thing for you. Yeah, yeah, as long as you've appeared in the book anthology, Livia's has got you covered. Hey, right. I could also go with did not appear in the book anthology. Oh, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh I, I, that's you got it covered, man, everybody. There, there's there's at least one author <laughs> that would qualify for that somewhere, right? <sighs> yeah. So, here is the synopsis for 
Four Corners, also known as the Soul Standard. Or is it just Soul Standard? No, there's a the at the beginning. It is the Soul Standard. All right. Maybe it's the Soul Standard. Could be the. Could be the. Yeah. Well, here we go. Across four different districts of a city that has torn itself to shreds, four different interweaving tales, each written by a different author, play out. In Four Corners, a morally dubious... Four Corners is the name of one of the stories. We've been calling the book Four Corners, but that's the name of the first story. A morally dubious banker must keep his employer happy at any cost. The next story... I know why you fucking made me read the synopsis now, you asshole. <laughs> Punhos, Punhos Sagrados. Sagrados. Punhos yeah. Sagrados concerns a boxer who finds himself torn between honor and the woman he loves. Golden Geese follows a hardened criminal with a terrifying condition who must come to terms with the life he's led. Finally, how does it, should I do it from the computer like I did before? Yeah, I think that would probably be best. Uh, we did a little Google Translate. This is French. Jamais vu. There you go. Jamais vu, right? Jamais vu. She said it a little quieter the second time. Oh, she's a computer. A yeah. She's, um, so jamais vu provides a stunning denouement. Another difficult word right there, but, you know, we say it all the time. So anyway, denouement. As a man searches endless... Oh, there's a typo right there. As a man searches endlessly, but it just says endless... For his missing daughter, a task which is complicated by a peculiar condition, his inability to recognize faces. Told in rugged, bare-knuckle prose, the Soul Standard is a non-stop thrill ride down the darkened avenues and through the shadowed alleys of a nightmare town. Jamais vu. Jamais vu. <laughs> Punos Sagrados. Um, I don't know why Caleb and uh, and Richard couldn't come up with something in a foreign language for theirs. I'm really trying really hard to figure out how to say golden geese in Romanian. <laughs> well, yeah, and there was some Portuguese in this, was that? But that was in Nick's story, so he was he brought it in two levels in the in the name and then also in the story. Yep, agreed. So we kick it off with. Um, fine, uh, so each one has the district it takes place in and then the title of the story. So the first one is by Caleb J. Ross. It takes place in the financial district and is called Four Corners. Um, we're introduced to uh, a man who grew up um, in the uh, you know very poor part of town who kind of worked his way up and is uh, more of an accountant, I think, than a banker. Right. That's what I got. He was uh, more of an accountant. Yeah. Like a numbers crunching kind of yep. accountant. I don't know why they call him a banker. Unless he works for a bank. If he's an accountant for a bank, he might be. Anyway. He, uh, he works for um, the, the, top, like the Donald Trump of this particular thing. Isn't that the, <laughs> you get the feeling I know yeah. this was written years ago, but it definitely uh, occurred to me that this is maybe like the Donald Trump, um, uh, Mr. Rice, R-E-I-S-S, um, who is the you know local bad guy. So he's, he's rich um, beyond imagination. Um, but we, I guess we should take a step back and talk about the city this takes place in, right? Or the world it takes place in. It's in the uh, near future, I would say. And um, money is becoming less valuable um, as it's kind of lost its uh, its value. I, did, I know that sounds <laughs> ridiculous, but as yeah. the value of money decreases... Um, other things, the value of other things increase. And, and mostly um, what's referred to in this book is favors with a capital F. 
Um, so that could be anything from um, drugs to, you know, you're legit like I owe you a favor to um, organ trading and trading in, in physical human organs. So Rice, um, who is rich, money rich, is also favor and, as we find out in this first story, organ rich. Organ rich is a weird, weird term, but um, yeah, so Caleb's story uh, centers around those characters, and the idea is this is in the part of the downturn of, of the dollar and uh, money, and the character we follow is the kind of uh, right-hand man for Rice. Rice? Reese? I think Rice. Rice. I said rice, and then I was thinking R-I-C-E, so it confused me. But anyway, he's like the right-hand man for rice. Um, and his impression is rice is now reacting to the fact that monetary trade is, is not as valuable as, um, you know, almost like the barter system. So he's now trying to break into these, um, you know, markets for organ trading and all this other stuff so that he can maintain his prosperity. And so uh, that's that's kind of how we're introduced to the story. But then all this kind of weird stuff is going on. So um, it's not that... I don't even know. There's just some weird stuff that happens in the story. Like at one point, he's just sitting in front of a fireplace burning uh, cash. Like throwing cash into the fireplace because the less cash available, the more... It's going to be worth, which that sounded a little bit like um, if you've ever seen Arrested Development where they're throwing bananas away and taking a dollar out of the cash register so that the money matches the the bananas. But they're really losing twice as much money because they already paid for the banana. But anyway, uh, (laughs) um, so that's going on. If that's your way of selling me on Arrested Development. (laughs) (laughs) I would never presume to try to sell you on Arrested Development. Um, so weird stuff like that's going on, but we do get to peek into um, just how morbid and desperate the city has become. Because at one point, I think the guy's name is Arthur, who is another guy who works for Reese Rice, throws himself out a window and falls to his death. Um, but before he does, he wraps his body with the hel- <laughs> with the help of the main character. Uh, wraps his body in duct tape so that his organs won't be destroyed when he lands on the pavement. It, it's just a lot of weird stuff's going on. Yeah, it is. And the catalyst for this story is um, Mallory, who is a childhood friend of Max, the protagonist. Um, she is brought on through Max's referral to work for Rice, too. And we start to see things a little differently through through her eyes. And she's really kind of the catalyst for for the story. Yeah, so once Mallory's in the picture... Essentially, the action starts because we've talked about a lot of the kind of the story establishing parts. Um, the action kind of begins when um, he goes out on kind of an assignment with her to find someone who leaked some information to the press. And it's the point when they leave to go on this assignment that everything just kind of goes nuts and the real story that we don't want to spoil takes place. Um, this book is four separate stories written by four authors, so they're smaller this was probably 65 or so pages, so really not a lot to talk about before we start spoiling the story. So that's pretty much, you know, once they go out on this mission, people are learning new things and figuring things out and, you know, betraying each other and, you know, it gets really messy. 
moves us into our second story, Punjos Sagrados, which takes place in the Red Light District uh, and is by author Nick Corpin. Um, Punjos Sagrados um, is uh, really the story of a you know, boxer. It seemed like it was almost closer to like street fight type, but a, a underground boxing um, combatant, participant, athlete. Um, who, who fights and fights for money. Um, but his uh, situation is that he has a wife at home who has um, basically become mentally um, unstable and mentally ill due to the, uh, the loss of a child. Little, uh, little trivia for you before we start talking about the story more. Uh, in Portuguese, punhos sagrados means sacred fists. And I'm going to... I'm going to play that little audio for you so you can hear what it sounds like from someone who knows how to pronounce it. Unhos Sagrados. One more time. Unhos Sagrados. Sagrados. <laughs> so, Sacred Fists. Mm-hmm. Which makes makes perfect sense, makes sense right? Because it's a boxing guy. Um, yeah, so this story uh, is probably, I think, the longest it takes up the most mm-hmm. space in this book. And a lot of it is just like the drudgery of... So this guy is basically supporting himself and his wife uh, through fighting, which uh, as we get to witness several fights that he does, and we get to see just how little he gets paid for them. And his second job is he's a bouncer at a... It's not just a bar. It's like a bar where there's gambling and stuff like that. So, like a club. He's like a mm-hmm. bouncer outside a club. He sits on a stool and he decides who can get in and not. And um, uh, that's his second job. And basically, his whole life is spent trudging between those two kind of sad existences, just earning enough money to keep his wife, you know, uh, pr- provided for and everything. Yeah, I don't want to go into too much spoiler territory on this, but yeah, his his wife is is pretty fucked up, and and this guy does uh does his best, um you know to to provide for her, uh, and the catalyst in this story is another woman, Carissa, who is the nightclub singer at said club, um, who our protagonist kind of kind of falls for. Yep, and they're all working for, um, I think Sal was the name of the guy, right? And um, it's one of those like kind of mobbish, organized crime kind of situations where, of course, you know, you can easily fall into debt with people and then need to kind of climb your way out and and that type of thing. So of all the stories, I feel like this one has the um, it has the beats of like a a traditional crime story or like a hard hard boiled, not detective, but like a hard boiled crime kind of kind of story because it's got those. Those those classic, you know, it's an organized crime thing, and this guy is a boxer, and there's the dame who's pretty who sings, and like it's got all those kind of things, but in such a unique setting because this is that kind of not too distant future, cities falling apart, almost like dystopian society or like a society that is working its way toward dystopian. So a unique setting, but it's got those kind of standard tropes of, of like a crime a regular hardboiled kind of crime story. Yeah, I, I have to, uh, to agree with that. I think this, um, might've been the most grounded of the stories, like, like grounded in our world of the stories, perhaps. 
I don't know, maybe the the least like the most um, connected to what our reality yeah. is. Yeah, I think yeah. The, you know the other ones. I don't want to say they're far reaching because within the story, uh, within the book context of the book, I don't think they are. But this one, this one could have very easily been its own standalone story. Sure. Uh, yeah. W- without support from from the other ones, um, I'm going to go ahead and say this about this story. Um, there are some things that I that just turn me off to books in general. So. I think we've talked about this, like anything that takes place, like generally just in the outdoors, you know, if there's a, you know, something happening and it's on some mountain <laughs> somewhere, I like, it just always kind of turns me off and man, I flipped the page on this one and I'm like, God damn it. This is about boxing. And you want to know what else turns me off in stories? Sports. And I was really, really concerned that I was going to um, to really hate this story. And you know what? I didn't. I was even really excited to see what was going to happen in these fights, which I, I totally did not think was going to happen. So I will give credit to the author of this story for uh, for very pleasantly surprising me because I did. I was like, God damn it. This is going to be some fucking fight. It's going to be tons of fights. And there were there were like four different fights. It, it spanned numerous pages of fighting. And you know what? I'm like turning the page and reading faster and faster to, to see what happens to this guy. So um, that, that was a very pleasant, pleasant surprise. I'm going to agree with you. The whole boxing thing, though, like if I fucking find out boxing, is, I, I don't know what it is. It's like to me, boxing stories, whether it's something you're reading or listening to or, or watching, um, it's like there are so few professions that are elevated to this, like, weird, legendary... Like, when someone's a boxer, that's their fucking whole life. And then they think about it, the whole world in, like, terms of boxing and stuff like that. But it's always... You never have a boxer who's just like, hey, you know, sometimes I like to box. It's like, it's their passion, and their father was a boxer who died in the ring. And, like, it's always like... <laughs> you know, yeah. It's yeah. never just like, there's not a casual boxer. <laughs> Like, that's the story I want to write, the casual boxer, where, like, he's doing normal stuff, like, he's hanging out with his friends and joking around, and he'll just run into the ring every now and then and throw some fists. Um, did you like the... That's awesome, by the way, because you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> did you, um, did you like the Rocky movies? I mean, I might have watched Rocky movies back in the day, but I don't have enough of a recollection of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's my impression, though, like, it's just so intense, there's just, there's never like, I don't know. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, but I, I didn't finish. Much like you, I felt like it was really well done. <laughs> I felt like it was really well done in this story, but it's like, God, fuck me if there's not a goddamn boxer and there's going to be so much boxing shit that I don't care about. It's the same like horses. I don't know why, but if there's a story where someone like is a owner of horses or a horse racer, I'm fucking out, man. It's weird how these things, right? And it's, it's you know, <laughs> when I used to read not for this podcast, you know, I, I would go into, you know, Crown Books or Barnes and Noble or, or whatever, you know, and if I didn't have something particular in mind, I'd go, oh, this cover looks good. And I'd flip it over and it would be the, you know, retired detective, you know, comes out of retirement because the serial killer he put down years ago <laughs> appears to be back. And I was like, I'm out. Mount, not reading this book. Yep. You know, a mountain climber, uh, you know, becomes <laughs> stranded and he's up against mountain people. Nope. Done. Not, done. not reading this yep. shit either. And, and boxing. <laughs> I would have, I would have put boxing right on that, right on that list too. I don't know if it's just cause it's like supposed to be such like a, a macho testosterone kind of thing. Like there's nothing manlier than like 
punching and being punched, but like fucking I can't care about like the thirty different ways you can punch someone. I just can't. I can't care about that. Well you care now, right? You cared for you cared for seventy five, eighty pages. This time I did. This time I, I did cared. too, man. And yeah. like I said, I, I I was I said pleasantly surprised. I was a little shocked <laughs> to be honest <laughs> how much I enjoyed that story. So um, our third story is brought to us by Richard Thomas, longtime friend of this podcast as well. It takes place in, uh, I, I would be, it would be on the outskirts, right? Not in the outskirts, on the outskirts. Yes. Which is uh, the, the district that is, uh, you know, towards the outside of the city, I'm guessing. Um, it takes place mostly <laughs> on a farm and, uh, and in a very rural area. Uh, I'm sorry, the story is called Golden Geese. And it follows a man who um, owns a pig farm um, where bodies are disposed of, um, a la Hannibal. Do you like that? Did I pull that out? Remember Hannibal? They used to throw the bodies in that pig pen. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Um, and he also um, d- does some other kind of criminal stuff, kind of oversees this whorehouse slash gambling slash like a, like a criminal resort out um, in the middle of nowhere. Or a criminal haunted hayride, I guess, depending on how you think about it. A criminal haunted hayride sounds amazing. <laughs> that's so. That's what you should do. You should write the what? What did you call your boxer story? The 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 casual boxer. The casual boxer, and then criminal haunted hayride. <laughs> that should that should be your second your second work. The follow up to to casual boxer is the oh, one if today, you right? could actually figure out a way to cross <laughs> those over that'd be brilliant oh yeah when he decides he's had enough boxing he just goes and uh works on the farm i love it this is that that and you should call that book four corners <laughs> so far there's only two corners so we'll see how the rest of the story goes so this uh this story i think is where they really stepped up like the depraved fucked up things happening in the book um richard thomas does introduce a lot of pretty graphic scenes that involve sex and violence and um, drug use. And we haven't really mentioned it so far, but there is a drug that exists in the city called juice. It's a drug, right? Or a drink. It's kind of like absinthe. Like you drink it like absinthe with like a, like a sugar cube and you do weird shit. It's definitely a liquid drug. People become addicted to it and it affects them in a druggy kind of way. Yeah. So um, this story has a lot of, Drugs, organized crime, um, haunted hayrides. Not really any haunted hayrides, but like it's basically like a rave that happens at his farm, I would say. But it's very exclusive and um, yeah, it just all kinds of pretty much anything you'd want to do that was like drugs or, or you know, weird partying happens there. Um, this also introduces lots of prostitution and. In the city, one of the things, along with like the organ trade and stuff like that that happens, there's a lot of sex trade going on. So people being sold as, not necessarily sex slaves, but there's a lot of like kind of forced prostitution and stuff that happens. So that's one of the big focuses of this story as well. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on easily the most depraved. Um, it also, I think, serves a, an additional purpose. It does seem to be the one that ties the four stories closest together. Like where it's really got its hands in all of the other ones. 
Um, yeah. If you agree yes. with me or not. Okay, yeah. So it also serves as a kind of a tether between the three stories, although are the other three stories, but all four of them overlap at least a little bit. So to take a little bit of a step back, um, Rice is the kingpin and is mentioned in all of the stories in, in his position, and people kind of feel the same way about him that he's like the the like uh, criminal you know, billionaire or, or whatever. So yeah, uh, Richard definitely brought the depravity in this and, um, shined a light on, uh, a, a pretty significant light on, on the drug use or the drug of choice. There are other drugs used and mentioned throughout, but yeah, he, he definitely lit up the, uh, the, the drug thread through this book with golden geese. Yeah. And really, uh, what's happening the kind of main push of the story is, uh, as it says in the synopsis, uh, the main character, um, it's almost like reflecting on a lot of the crazy bad stuff he's done in the past. And he's at a point in his life where he's kind of tired of all the, you know, the shit that he's going through. He works for the organized crime. They like drop off bodies and body parts and he disposes them with the pigs and he gets kind of tired of the life he's living and he wants to, kind of set the record straight. So he's reflecting on all the really crazy bad stuff that happened in the past and the point where things went worst for him. And now he's making the decision to go and do something about it. But at the same time, he's got a daughter that um, he's trying to uh, make sure she's safe and protected, but she has a tendency to make bad choices or get herself into bad situations. So that's kind of a big driving point of the story our fourth and final story in the soul standard is uh takes place in ghost town and it is jamais vu jamais vu um by axel tayari um this one i don't know man i you know we were talking a little bit before the podcast this one i think might be the most emotional of of all the stories at least in in my opinion uh yeah yeah our uh, protagonist, um, who is briefly introduced in the previous story, Golden Geese, is uh, as a synopsis said, he's searching for his daughter. His uh, five-year-old daughter went missing three years ago. Um, and, and it's, um, I don't want to say it's a little memento-ish, but it's a little memento-ish. Um, although he can remember everything, he can't remember faces. So he is looking for a girl that he can't recognize by by her facial appearance. But he uh, has teamed up over the years with a with a dirty kind of old fashioned noir private eye um, who gets away with stuff because he's got dirt on the police. And uh, the two of them, uh, we see a very brief time wise, brief glimpse of a couple of days in their life where he a development has occurred. Um, to kind of further his uh, his his search for his missing daughter. Yeah, um, this one really focuses in on um, more of the, I guess, in order to in like the in the process of searching for missing people, you look for who takes people. So like they're looking at um, the the sex trade people and stuff like that, and just you know kidnappers in general, people that. Uh, pedophiles, people that you just don't like the scum of the earth, like the biggest, most scummiest people. So in in this story, we see some, there is some content that's kind of messed up, but this is, this is like Livia said, it's all 
from the heart. The part, the the main character of this story is just a guy who lost his kid, and that's the only thing he cares about is getting his kid back. The title "Jamais Vu" um, translates to "Never Seen," which is obviously a reference to his inability to recognize faces. Um, and yeah, there's not much more we can say without messing up this story because this one was short. It was 40 pages, maybe most, but uh, that's the setup. I would say that this one, um, because it closes out the book, has a really emotional end, but it does the ending and what happens in this story kind of kind of puts a bookend at you know for for all of the stories because we see the impact of what happens in his story has implications for and somewhat touches on what happens in the other stories as well. Anything else you want to talk about before we hop over to Patreon and do a little spoiler talk? Because I know there's some things you're dying to talk about. Were we going to choose? Now, usually with like an anthology, we do an anthology winner. There's only four stories, but I feel like I know that some of them kind of hit, hit me stronger than others. I don't know if, if you wanted to do something like call out some some of our favorites or would that be unfair i don't know let's let's do spoiler talk and see what comes out of that <laughs> all right um we're gonna jump over to spoiler talk the next okay. thing you will hear uh if you're not going over to patreon is probably a little bit of a wrap-up and some stars and some stars maybe 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 an anthology winner i don't i don't know we'll, we'll see, see. <laughs> this is book news i'm skip papersley now for the news over the years, Amazon has slowly changed the format of the Kindle to make it more appealing to traditional physical book readers, and with their latest change, PageFlip, they may have brought the device one step closer. PageFlip simulates the natural habit of a human putting their human thumb or human finger on a page to mark that page so that that very same human person can go back to the page with ease. While this newsman is happy for all the human people out there that want this change, he's also hopeful it will lead to a revolution of choose-your-own-adventure novels. Here are a few ideas for those authors out there in the audience to run with. Jimmy Patterson Stole My Book, A Tale of Revenge or Justice. Why Am I Wasting My Time With You, A Story of a Dying Relationship. Bookbinding, an erotic literary BDSM romp. And now for the New York Times bestsellers and fiction recap. Here's to us by Ellen Hildebrand stumbles home at number five. Grant Blackwood's making this number four spot confusing with Tom Clancy, duty and honor. Trapped by the glass ceiling is Emma Klein and the girls at number three. Lightning strikes spot two with Brad Thor's foreign agent. And finally, at the end of the list, it's Stephen King's End of Watch at number one. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. All right. Um, I think I think we might have... We'll do it after after the stars, I guess. I, I think we may have come to kind of an agreement, right, as far as like a favorite story during Spoiler Talk? Um, I felt like yeah, we, I feel like we... Okay, all right. Yeah. So uh, why don't you go ahead, do a wrap-up, I'll do a wrap-up, and then we'll see if we can meld that together into, into a, a definitive answer on, is there a favorite story in this? All right. Like Livia said in our previous episode, 
we've been waiting five years for this book, and it's one of those, at some point, anticipation is going to outweigh, or anticipation builds expectation. So at some point, it's going to be really hard for a book to live up to the expectation that's been building over the years. That being said, um, and having read a bunch of stuff from Caleb and Nick and Richard and Axel, these guys knocked it out of the park with this book. Um, the choice to have Caleb go first with um, a lot of, I don't want to call it world building, but um, he did a great job of taking a story and using the story he wrote as building foundation that the other stories could grow from. Um, it works great as its own story. I could see this being a, you know, a story in any collection just fine or just released as its own novella, but it does such a great job of establishing now Nick and Richard and Axel can run in whatever direction they want to with what he started. Um, they all did a great job. I don't want to talk about each individual story, but um, it, great examples of all of their writing. If I was going to introduce someone to any one of these authors, Soul Sanders is a great way to... Uh, to see how good these guys can do because they all just killed it. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say about this because it's an unconventional because it's four novellas without talking about each one of them. And we already did that. I liked it all. And um, I'm just going to go right to my stars. I'm going to do it's four and a half stars. This, um, I, I really, ex my expectations, although anticipation, as Rob had said, you know, was, was high because it had been years in the making. I, I really thought we were going to get something um, more disjointed than this. Like, here's four, four short stories, and we'll give the city the same name, and, you know, that they're not going to be intertwined really well or whatever. And, and I think quite, quite the opposite happened. I think not only did... Um, where they intertwined well, but I think they all fit together really, really well. So you've got um, the setup from Caleb, which was great, and you kind of get to see the um, the landscape of the future of this city, and, and I'm sure that extends past the city and into the world of the future. Um, you know, Nix goes in really close and tight with a guy who's who's living in the underground world, and kind of parentheses underground world with the with the fighting and very very emotional story from him we go into richard's story which really kind of expands the the legend of the drugs and the really dark underbelly of, of the crime like where the really nasty shit happens and then it's a uh, it's brought to a close by by far by far one of the saddest stories i've read in a really really long time um and axel we didn't even talk about really doing spoiler talk but i think that ended um, the bigger story really, really well to it, put a nice, uh, you know, kind of finishing touch on what Caleb started in the beginning. So they work together just amazingly well. Um, as Robert said, we've read a ton of stuff by all these guys. Um, it, part of me is a little sad cause I'm thinking this was all written like five years ago. And I'm, I'm wondering if these guys peaked five years ago. Is that something we talked about? We're used to reading stuff that's like the more recent typically, right? Like it came out and maybe I'm working on something else or I just finished something else. Uh, some of these guys have written full-length novels that have been published um, since then. So uh, that being said, <laughs> it's, a nice, it's, a, it's a good time for them to come out with this. I think uh, Rob's right. I don't know who I would recommend this book to, like who this book is for. 
but I think for somebody who's open to really, really dark, um, noir crime, slightly futuristic, near apocalyptic scale kind of, uh, stuff. Um, it's a, it's a great, it's a great book for them to read. I'm going to, I'm going to half star up Rob on this one. Five stars. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. You son of a bitch. Rob, can I ask you a question? What uh, yeah. is it that made this landscape really impossible? You you had posted something on social media about the cover. <laughs> well, if you look, there's like a normal cityscape and then there's like some clouds and then mm-hmm. an obviously entirely different skyline that are kind of like lumped together. There's just like a f- yeah, physical it, yeah. it's challenging as far as like um distance and dimension and stuff like that it's just i think that the far away skyline looks too big to be a part of yeah well it's got to be part of this guy's head too so i guess that and the overall cover so um can i i want to i had a thought while we were wrapping up that i want to say about this book um we talked about caleb having a strong start and axel having a strong ending but that doesn't mean that like the middle of the book wasn't strong as well. I think it was strong throughout. And actually, if you think about it, Nick's character in his story versus Richard's character, they're kind of good um, contrasts to each other, right? Because you have the guy who's trying to do right by his wife, who you know kind of leads down to a darker road, and you have the guy who has done some really shitty things who's trying to lead toward like a lighter road. So good contrast there as That's well. A good point. Yeah. Um, I think the structure of the book was very intentional, and um, the authors all took a different approach to, like, you get a good sampling of the different type of people that would live in a city like this. So, structurally, really solid, and that leads to, like Livius was saying, how well the stories intertwine. So, that just bears mentioning. So, uh, so what was your favorite story? You know, I really was thinking we needed to pick a favorite, but the more I think about it, the tougher it is. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can, and it might just be because it was the last one, but um, Axel's story was just so, had such a big impact. Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I, I, I said it over on Spoiler Talks so for non-Patreon subscribers. I got teary-eyed reading Axel's story. Yeah. So that's uh, talk about impact. Um, you know, was it the most important one in the book? I don't know. I think you know they all kind of serve their their purpose. But holy shit, man! And I think that the darkness of and, and the sadness of that story is informed by all the shit that happened in the book before. So they kind of set the stage for this story to be as effective as it is. But um, yeah, Axel, it's just that little bastard. I don't know what it is, but he is just a wizard with words. I'm going to agree. So we're going to declare Axel the winner. Yeah, Axel's the book winner. So he he's two for two with us because uh, he was the Warmed and Bound anthology winner, wasn't he? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. No. I loved his story in Warmed and Bound. It was the weird clown one, right? Yeah, the ju- the juggling one. Did we decide that was the anthology winner for that? Did we? I don't have- mean to sound that shocked. Oh, we didn't have an anthology winner, I guess, at that point. I'd have to go back and look at notes. All I know is fucking Axel, man. Great job. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we got to read this. It's been a long time coming, and it was great. Um, da, da, da. We talked a lot at Patreon about um, the story, and I think that um, there's a couple things we need to we need to do a little housekeeping on Patreon stuff, I believe, right? So 
Rob told me the other day, he messaged me and said that we were, we were just a hair away. We were one error fix away from um, the T-shirt level that we've been talking about for, I don't know, months at least. I think it was from the winter. And uh, something happened, and a, a contributor fell off, and it put us um, farther away from the T-shirt level. So if those of you that were monitoring, yeah, we're not, we're not, that clo- we're not as close as we were a few days ago. So there's that. Um, Rob, how do we fix that? So, um, here's what I think needs to happen. We, we, we want, we really want shirts to happen. First of all, because the people who have been paying us the shirt money, you know, we want to give them shirts. They're, they're, they're contributing on a monthly basis, a good amount of money. So we want to give them something. Um, but while we have everybody waiting, I think we want to kind of make more available to more people, right? So we are going to do a little bit of a restructure of our reward levels and what we offer to people. The first change that's going to be made, the one that we've already decided on, is that we are now going to do the spoiler uh, conversations that we have on Patreon. Instead of being at the $5 a month level, we're going to be doing for anybody who contributes even a dollar. That's right. If you are a Patreon contributor, if you notice a little patreon.com deduction in your bank account every month and it's because of us, you can go over and listen not just to the current spoiler talk, but I believe that would open up all of them. Am I correct, Rob? Yeah, so I'll retroactively uh, change uh, the requirements for who has access to it from the $5 level down to the $1 level. But I think in general what we're going to do is we're going to restructure our, our reward levels and try and find a way to give you more um, for the people who are, are giving less, I guess, you know, because you're still, I mean, there's been people who have been donating or that, you know, contributing a couple bucks a month since the you know beginning. Right. Um, so we want to reward. It. Yes, absolutely. We, <laughs> we just have to figure out because no one ever tells us what they want. So we don't know what to give you guys. So I think we're going to sit down and we're going to do a restructure and um, we're going to try and push harder to get back up to that T-shirt level. Because we were honestly like a hair away. We were already talking about getting the process going to start the shirts. That's how close we were before we dropped We dropped a, a, a one of our more significant donors, uh, contributors. So We also have changed the T-shirt kind of process a little bit. I'm really excited about this. I knew you would be <laughs> so excited about this. Here's what's going to happen. So before it was a T-shirt um, and at the T-shirt, there was a T-shirt and a T-shirt and coffee mug level. Um, we have decided that for each individual level. So at the T-shirt level and at the T-shirt and coffee mug level, they will be um, annual. Is that the right word? So annual yeah. and um, in a series. So there will be a probably a slightly different variation. I don't know how drastic it would be. Rob and I already had kind of a fun little conversation about what we thought next year's shirt would look like um, um, and, and coffee mug. But, yeah, so if you're a contributor now and we get to the T-shirt level and you're a contributor one year from whatever month that might be, it could be as early as July, um, then, yeah, next July, there, if you are still a contributor at that level, you will receive another shirt and perhaps another coffee mug, depending on which level you are at. Yeah, so now it's uh, it's an annual subscription instead of a one-time thing. Um, I pushed around the idea of making these T-shirts Patreon-only, 
so that the only people that can wear these fun booked t-shirts are the people who are contributing in Patreon. I don't know if that's actually going to be a decision yet, but um, yeah, a t-shirt a year. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with that at all, especially if your primary um, attire is t-shirts. Which mine is. I know. And a, mug, and a mug a year if you're doing the mug level. That's correct. So uh, that's what we've got going on um, for Patreon uh, subscriptions. Um, subscribe patreon.com slash book podcast. Um, search for Patreon booked, whatever you'll get there eventually. So enough of talking about how you can give us more money. Let's tell, let's tell the listeners what they might be hearing next. So in the wake of, uh, doing this book review and in light of the fact that we are about to start our lazy summer of podcasting, we're definitely not reviewing a book next. Um, so when we don't do book reviews, we do stuff like interviews. So we're thinking, Hey, perfect opportunity. We just reviewed this book that has four authors. Why don't we try and get some interviews going? Right. So we, um, have 50% commitment from authors to do interviews, um, because we only asked 50% of them so far. Um, by the time (laughs) you're hearing this, we will have been in touch with the other 50%. So hopefully, um, if we can get all four on board, you know, we, we were making a little, we were poking a little fun at, at another podcast, as as we're known to do from time to time, <laughs> about how one episode is, uh, or one interview becomes two episodes. We're probably going to reverse that. So not only are we going to give each interviewer, you know, get one interview in an episode, I think we're going to try to put two in an episode. Yeah, take that. This is horror. This is horror is now broken out a calculator, <laughs> and they're trying to figure out percentage-wise how different that is from, from what they do. So They're furiously <laughs> pounding the keys. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully what you'll hear, if all goes well, you'll hear uh, two interviews with two authors, two interviews with two other authors, and that would be your next two episodes, followed probably by a very, very lazy interlude episode. Yeah, we've done four book reviews in a row. Uh, we haven't had an interlude in quite a while. So, uh, yeah, we're packing in the content. We are now. Can I say that although we're going to the Lazy Summer of Podcasting and we haven't been able to always tell you what was coming up next, can I tell you that Rob already slated a book for next year <laughs> that we're reviewing and another one that we're probably <laughs> going to insert before that, but that won't be this summer. It'll be sometime in the fall or winter, followed by another book um, in uh, early 2017. So, man, we are really on our planning game. I like to find these books that are like impossibly far away and just convince Livia that we must we must read them. Yeah, and then when story. he gets closer to it, he completely forgets about it until like the time has passed that book comes up. So, um, but no, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, to our plans for for that particular author to read one of his older books and then read the new one when it comes out. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Um, I'm just looking forward to. Uh, can I can I tell you I've already been starting to plan some of the books I'm going to read while we're doing the Lazy Summer podcasting? You are not going to read any books while oh. we're doing the Lazy Summer podcasting. Oh, I am. Okay, let let's hear let's hear what some of these titles might be. I got two. Okay, so I am going to revisit the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Probably the whole series. How many books are, are in that series? It's technically five. Okay. It's but they're all short, like. Probably total of like between four and five hundred pages. Oh, okay. Oh, for all five? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so those yeah. really are short. Yeah, short books. I do have one planned for the very, very, very near future, and it's one we were unable to um, review here. Um, gutted, the short story collection. 
Yeah, that's all over my Facebook today. With the number of writers who I have a great deal of respect for that are in there, it's uh, it's on my Kindle because I pre-ordered it forever ago. So I got a notification that it was available and on my Kindle um, a couple of days ago. Um, we wanted to review it here, um, but here's uh, here's what happened. <laughs> we reached out to the publisher to get an early copy, and publisher did not respond, um, which is fine, which is totally that cool. happens. Um, the problem with it is, and I was happy to pay, I don't know, it was like four or five bucks or whatever for the digital copy. No no issue there. The problem was that it didn't come out until, um, you know, two days before the lazy summer starts. So, yeah, we, we didn't have the opportunity to read it ahead of time. Um, my other book that I'm going to read, mm-hmm. Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut. And that's tattoo research because I'm going to be getting some new tattoos in the upcoming year. And one of them is going to be based on that Kurt Vonnegut book Sirens of Titan. Interesting. Maybe yeah. we'll get a maybe we'll get some uh, some mini reviews in this lazy summer kind of just talking about what, you know, what 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 we managed to read. Yeah. That's it. That's um, all. Yeah. Can I touch on one more thing before we go? Absolutely. Preacher? Oh yeah, let's hear about let's hear your thoughts on Preacher because I'm the one that told you to watch that. Yeah, so Preacher's probably... Now, I tried watching... Um, oh, God damn it! what's that called? That that David Lynch TV show? Twin, Twin yeah, Peaks? Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I tried watching that, and that was terrible. Um, but really, really weird. Preacher is nearly that weird, and probably the weirdest thing that I've watched, you know, more than four <laughs> episodes of. That, that wasn't anime or, like, just like a regular... Good old fashioned American TV show, man. That show is weird. It is kind of a weird show. Um, did you like it overall? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. So I've seen the the first five episodes. I, I don't know how you can watch something on AMC. Like I, I imagine they probably do. Like because um, I'm pretty sure AMC is not on um, Hulu or, or and maybe maybe it's on Amazon Prime where you can buy an episode but I strongly encourage if you like weird television um, that that is definitely a show you want to look into if they do like a little marathon or something yeah I like the guys from heaven <laughs> yeah I, man I don't, I don't want to spoil any of the show but there's so many just bizarre elements <laughs> And they're they're like perfectly like accepted in the show. Like there there's the kid who 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 tried to shoot himself, and now his mouth just looks like a giant asshole. <laughs> and that's just accepted by people. Yeah. Like it's not even fucking weird. Like like the kid is is despised for other things in the town, but like it's just such a weird. So for anybody who's not familiar, the preacher is about a um, like a bad guy who's returned to, and by bad guy, I mean like a criminal who's returned to his hometown and decided to kind of go straight, and he decides he becomes the preacher for a, for a failing parish. And uh, <laughs> this thing comes from, from outer space and enters his body, and it provides him with a very specific and unique ability. Yeah. He... <laughs> Not to spoil anything, but he becomes much more persuasive. <laughs> yeah, and and then then you've got this weird thing, like out of nowhere, like he's got this new friend who's a vampire. So if <laughs> if that whole thing, a Scottish like punk vampire, yeah, if that whole thing wasn't weird enough, you just throw in these weird elements, like this kid with the sphincter for a face, and yeah. a vampire, and of course there's like the the 
former girlfriend who's still out committing crimes and do, doing that kind of thing, like trying to bring him back into the life. And, you know, he's got this this power he wants to use for good. And then there's these guys coming to try kind of reclaim that power. And know, it's a very strange show. And if none of that sold you, it's got um, Nora from True Blood is, is the... Um, He's got like a, a the girl the responsible person in the church, the girl who does work with him in the church is uh, her name's Emily and she was uh, Nora who was Eric Northman's sister in True Blood sister slash girlfriend sister girlfriend who they they bang a lot and she's super hot yeah and it has and I don't know his name but it has um, a guy from the show the the British show Misfits. Which I, the I loved yeah. at least the, the first three seasons of. Um, he kind of replaced what what I would call the 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 protagonist, the like the main main character, um, at the end of season two, I think it was. Um, and, and he's uh, he was really enjoyable in that, and, and he's he's quite well, quite the character in this one too. Can we talk about how uh, Jackie Earl Haley is in it as like just like the most normal dude in the world? Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I'm trying to think of who's normal on that show. Uh, the um, the boss, the, the boss of the cattle company. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oren, I think his name is, or whatever. Oh, okay. He was Rorschach in Watchmen, and he was Freddy Krueger in the new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Interesting. And he's just like, you know, this corporate asshole. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely. It's definitely a, a very interesting show. The first episode's a little slow, a lot of setup, but it kind of takes off after that. And if you like weird and bizarre shit, Preacher, man, I never read the comics, but now I'm kind of sorry that I didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's something. Hey, Lazy Summer Podcasting, I'm able to catch up on that. But I definitely, in the in the fucking yawning void of of the loss of Penny Dreadful and Hannibal, uh, Preacher is is the only thing that I'm like grasping to right now. No, I know you saw the article that uh, the showrunner for Hannibal said that they could be making a decision in 2017 about bringing Hannibal back. Yeah. So, but all that means is that I'm sure some rights are, are reverting or becoming more available. Um, so that means that any, the conversation would start in 2017, which means then someone would have to buy it. Then they'd have to start, then they'd have to make sure they could cast everybody. Then they'd have to start shooting. So you're looking at 2018 or 19 before there's any actual product coming out of that. So I'm not I'm not crossing my fingers about it. Well, let's talk about returns to TV and their success rate. Did you like the the return of the X Files? Uh, that was awesome. And that was how many years in the making? Easily like a decade. 15, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 24 returned after like a six year hiatus, and I felt it did did pretty well um although it's returning again with a new main character and i don't know how well that's going to play out (laughs) um how about heroes that was a goddamn train wreck i made it through like three episodes and i'm really disappointed that i couldn't even stay with it for for the whatever (laughs) limited run of like eight episodes like i couldn't have put like three more hours or whatever it is into that into that thing um full house I only watched the first episode, but what a nightmare, other than the fact that one of those girls um, um, grew up pretty well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. She I don't turned know. out all right? 
Yeah, I, I, I wasn't like an avid Full House watcher, but yeah, one of them, um, uh, yeah, grew into womanhood pretty well. <laughs> um, I, I think that's, uh, I think that those are the returning shows, right? I mean, I know Gilmore Girls is right around the corner. I'm ridiculously excited about that, as you could imagine. Um, so yeah, I guess the X Files is all that really. <laughs> So that gives you, what, a 33% chance on Hannibal yeah. returning and being any good? I'll just allow myself to be pleasantly surprised, A, if it happens, and B, if it ends up being even a shadow of, of what it was when it first came out. I'm sure there's a petition you can go sign. There's also probably, like, a Firefly petition that you can still sign for to bring that show back. <laughs> Some things are best left where they are, I think. That's one of them. I, I Yeah, I have no hopes for that. Like like this episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, thanks for tuning in on whatever medium you are listening on. Oh, we're dropping out of one of them. I don't remember which one. Is it Spreaker? I think it was Spreaker. Spreaker was like, yeah, listen, we know we said we'd give you this, but really, being that you're a free member, we're going to reduce that to something that is way too much effort for me. So in the event that you heard us on Spreaker, welcome to one of the other places that you can find this podcast. <laughs> Listen, Spreaker's cool if you're starting up a podcast because really I think they're more about helping you um, making it easier for you to create and host your content. Yeah. Um, where Stitcher, which is still my favorite way to listen to this podcast, um, is just happy to have you on and pop in an ad, you know, like before or after or something occasionally. So, and, and they don't require the content creators to, to pay anything. Now, I'm sure there could be additional advertising or something, but if you've been listening on, uh, on Stitcher, this is what God three and a half, four years that you've been yeah. able, you know, to listen without um, any of the Patreon funds going to it. So, Google Play Podcast. We found out last week that one person has listened. Whoever you are, Woo. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and iTunes, iTunes continues to be um, one of the top sources of downloads. So, thank you, iTunes listeners. And yeah, for those of you who can't figure out how to use any of those, and you're sitting in front of your computer right now, bookpodcast.com listening because it's the only way you know how to do it we love you even more than everybody else uh yeah you can join us on the next booked live and we will like walk you through setting this up so it's easier um my love for those people is like they have to commit like anybody else like i I know like brandon teats listens to this like on his way to work and like at the gym so like it's something (laughs) he does while he's doing something else right there are people who who must sit down in front of their computers and be like I'm going to stare at their webpage <laughs> for an hour and listen. And if that's you, God, I love yeah, you because you. you shut off the rest of the world to listen to this podcast. Uh, one thing about, um, and this isn't me trying to step on any of the providers one over the other. I was listening to us uh, for, for you know, quality control purposes, is, purposes is, through Stitcher for a long time. When I jumped back over to the regular Apple podcast app man the audio quality is just 10 times better oh see, so i've never had an opportunity to listen that way because stuff apple non-apple yeah. product stuff um stitcher compresses the hell out of the audio huh. um so if you're if you're finding yourself having trouble with the quality of the audio uh and you're listening on stitcher before you just give up on the podcast altogether try um, try listening through like the iTunes, like the podcast app, and see <laughs> see if that has any, any effect on you. Apple turns off Rob's air conditioning for him. 
apparently. <laughs> it does. I got this home automation thing going on. I can't believe this is part of the podcast. Can we just sign off? We can sign off. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Olivia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep listening to my air conditioner in the background. And reading.